0: (laughs) Ha ha. It's time for letting go Praise the Lord, amen? Amen. Amen. We'll just give the guys just one more second in the back. All right, fantastic. Thank you, ushers. We'll see you here in just a second. All right. If you've been with us this summer, we've been uh, enjoying, hopefully you've been enjoying, a sermon series we've called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And we're about halfway through. And we've looked at the story of Noah and the ark and Samson and Delilah. Last week, we looked at David and Goliath. And each of these messages are a standalone message, powerful, lots of application. And we prayed, God, give us fresh anointing as we look at these Old Testament stories and let them just become alive inside of us. Now, each of these stories have got many angles that you can come at. Uh, In fact, that's true of our story even this morning. But we, each week, we're kind of focusing on one aspect, something that has kind of gripped my heart as your pastor as I've looked at these. I want to encourage you that if you have missed a week or more this summer, to go online. You can listen to all these messages and be right up to speed with where we're headed. Now, today, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I have fond memories of a kid when I was in in uh, elementary uh, of a camp a camp service, we had a big African American. Uh, his name was Reggie Dabs. Anybody heard of Reggie dabs He's the evangelist? there's like three or four of us that have okay Well, anyway, I remember him talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and the big Negro. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember that he talked about, you know, following God, and we, are you willing to die for God? And I remember standing up as a young kid at the altar and saying, God, I'll die for you, and coming home and telling my parents, and, and that was a pretty significant moment in my life. And then as I was preparing this week, I was sharing, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm studying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I was sharing with some, some people, and uh, Melissa, our worship leader, said, Pastor, you've got to use the clip from Rakshak and Benny but I have bad news. We're not going there, okay? Yeah. And, uh, and so you're familiar with the story. And uh, we're familiar with the, under, the understanding of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And we are going to take a look some history stuff that kind of came up to that. We're going to look at the story. But what I want you to know is like all these stories, we are not just reading a fairy tale this morning. It's a real life happened. It's in the Bible. In fact, if it wasn't in the Bible, we'd say... I'm not so sure that that might not be true, but this story is absolutely true, and it has lots of potential to minister to our hearts if we allow it to do so. Amen? And so we're going we're to dive in and look at this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Well, last week we talked, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Philistines who were the powerhouse um, that were the greatest military threat uh, to Israel back in about 1200 BC, and uh, and it was we understood that God's people were, were the Israelites and uh, these Philistines, and not only in Samson's life but also in David's life, that was the greatest threat. Well, 600 years later, fast forward, now it's approximately 600 BC. It's not the Philistines that are causing trouble, but now it's the Babylonians. And in Daniel chapter 1, I want you to turn with me there, uh, we understand that that the Babylonians and the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, comes in and he takes over the king of Judah, and then they take all these things back to Babylon. And we understand that, that at this point, The children of Israel are in exile and they are struggling. They're away from from their homeland. Now, there's a lot of correlation between Jeremiah chapter 25 through 27 and then Jeremiah 29, that you can kind of read a parallel story here. But the Israelites were exiled to Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar takes over Judah. Then, he, in verses 3 and 4, he selects the brightest among the Israelites to serve him. He's a smart man. He looks, in, that, in fact, look at verses 3 and 4. It says that the king ordered to bring some of the Israelites from his royal family, the young men with physical, uh, uh, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's army. He was looking for people... Just like Joshua here. Stand up. A young man that has a heart after God, right? All right. Okay. (laughs) He's pretty excited about that, I can see. But he's looking for the best of the best. And he calls them out. And he calls them to three years of training. And then they would be serving the king. And among them, in verse 6 and 7, were from Judah, Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You're saying, what? Who? Well, those were the three, or the four, from Judah. Their names changed. Daniel to Belshazzar, Hananiah to Shadrach, Mishael to Meshach, and Azariah to Abednego. And we understand that these four were among the sharpest. Now, in the first year of their training, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found extreme favor with King Nebuchadnezzar and with, with, the, with the, the king and with all of his men. In fact, they early on in their service, they requested a different diet. They did not want to defile themselves. They were from Judah. They were exiles living in Babylon. And they said, look, we want to honor our God. And so they put their life on the line, came to uh, King nebuchadnezzar to the to the guys and said, "Look, can we eat only vegetables?" And they said, "Okay, for ten days, we'll allow you to do so. But if you are weaker at the end, then you will must conform." And, but in verse 19, it, uh, we understand the king talked with them and they found that none were equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he, uh, they understood and, and he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in the whole kingdom." Pretty powerful story just right there. We could take a whole message just on that aspect. But now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the second year of serving King Nebuchadnezzar. It's in the second year uh, when we look to chapter 2. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He is a disturbed young um, uh, king. It says his mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. And so in verse 2 of chapter 2, he calls for an interpretation of his dreams. He calls the astrologers and the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers. And we find out in verse 10 that these astrologers said, Answer the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. (laughs) They were dumbfounded. The king's dream could not be interpreted according to these guys. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he was mad. He was going to put all of the wise men to death. He was going to kill them. But then in Daniel, in chapter uh, 2, verses 24 through 28, you can read it. He says, look, I can interpret the dreams. God will help me to do so. And so Daniel takes the dream. He takes it back to Azariah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brings it back to them, and they come, and in verse 30, they say, look, this was the dream. And now we, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel will interpret it to the king. A powerful moment. The king found favor. And because of the interpretation, verse 48, the king placed Daniel in a high position, and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire providence of, the, of, of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. So now, if you can just imagine a, a young man from Judah living in Babylon, in the courts, leading the other wise men from Babylon. You think there might have been some conflict there? Well, we're going to see that in just a second. But it says, moreover, Daniel requested the king to appoint Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Incredible story here. And then we move in to chapter 3, where King Nebuchadnezzar, full of himself, he builds a ginormous idol, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. As I tried to sit and to imagine what that was like, I looked it up online, and there it just happens to be a 90-foot statue in the Rockies. And let's go ahead and look at this here. It's a 90-foot statue. It's called Our Lady of the Rockies. Has anyone ever been there, seen that, heard of it? I had never. And look at the little guy at the end. And not only was it a statue, but it was built of gold. The amount of money and the amount of time it would take to build a statue like that is enormous. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he commands everyone at the sound of the trumpet to bow and to worship. Now we know that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not about to defile themselves. If they wouldn't even eat the food, they're not going to bow to some false idol. And remember what I said, those astrologers, those enchanters, those, uh, those that were going to be executed, they should have been thankful for Daniel, but they weren't. They must have been embarrassed, wanting revenge, because look at chapter 3, verse 8. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, this is our chance. We're going to get these guys. And so they came to King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, king, live forever. They're buttering them up. Have you, you have re- issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. And then they tattle on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, but there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And so now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a choice. The king comes to him in verses. 13 through 15 In his first response it says he's furious but i know that he, he has, he's been helped by shadrach meshach and abednego so as i read this i can hardly think that he was really really mad but nebuchadnezzar it says furious with rage he comes he summons shadrach meshach and abednego and he explains he, he thinks boy they must not have understood that i wanted them to bow and he stands and he said before them he says look Why would this be? Why wouldn't you? Um, When the the trumpet blows, you're supposed to bow and worship. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verses 16, 17, and 18. Listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king. Listen, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, there's some encouragement that we find. You say, well, well first of all, you say, why would they have such a, a, a determination to, to be true to their God of Judah or to the God of Israel? Well, in Jeremiah, like I mentioned before, in chapters 25 through, through 27, and then chapter 29 as well, as they were exiled to Babylon, the prophet Jeremiah said, look, you are called to serve in that circumstance. They were promised of restor- the restoration of Israel. So they looked forward to a time when Israel would be reestablished. But then there was a firm you read through these chapters, a firm command not to bow down to other gods, to false idols. And so that's why they could say with confidence, look, if we're thrown into the fiery furnace, God will save us. And if he doesn't, we, uh, that's okay as well. And they stood there. And then in verse 19, King Nebuchadnezzar was furious, I think a little more upset than the first time, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. So there was a change in his attitude. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter. He grabbed his greatest soldiers to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them in the fire. And as you read through the verses there, the the soldiers that threw them into the fire were killed by the heat that came off of the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now are in the fire. Verse 25, it says here, it says, Now King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. And in amazement, he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they're like, Well, I think so. Certainly, O king. And in verse 25, it says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he comes out, and he yells into the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come on out. And in verses 26 and through 27, we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. It says, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. God had performed an incredible miracle, supernatural favor for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in verse 30, the result of that is that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, look, you will honor the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God receives the glory in that story. Amen? Now, what gripped me about this story especially is the confidence that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Extraordinary, super confidence. Where did it come from? Certainly they had a a history of trusting God. They put God on the line with their diet. They put God on the line saying, Look, our God can help um, to interpret the dreams of the king. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a deep trust. In God. There was, of course, the prophet Jeremiah, his encouragement. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there wasn't any arrogance. It wasn't foolish on their part to put God on the line. It wasn't like they were playing some sort of game with the king. Their confidence in the Lord was like David's confidence. In uh, in Psalm chapter 71, verse 5, listen to what it says here David saying, For you, Have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. Their confidence was like Solomon, where we read in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. It says, this is Solomon, Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would have heard the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 32, verse 17, which says this says the fruit of the righteousness of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness, standing for what's right, will be quietness and confidence forever. And of course, we just mentioned Jeremiah before, but they would have heard the the, the their prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17 that these words would have ranked true in their minds. Verses 7 and 8 says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, literally. (laughs) Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Their confidence was a deep trust in God. There was no fear, no worry. And what I love about this story is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not confident in their own ability. They didn't come up with some sort of scheme saying, hey, we'll spray ourselves with something that will keep us from being burned up in the fire. There was nothing about themselves that would have saved them from the fire. And how many times today, though, in our own lives, do we rely on our own strength. We're facing a situation where we're saying, well, how can I make it happen? What could I do to put A, B, and C together? How many of us rely on our own strength? How many of us try to do things on our own? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their trust was in God and in God alone. Now, for those of us that have tried to do things on our own, we may have success for a short period of time. But our lives need to be built. Our confidence, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, needs to come from the Lord. They realized their confidence was found in God. And our confidence must be rooted in God, in His Word. Flip with me to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of verses here in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, an encouragement from God's word, says this, says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that they may receive mercy and grace to help them in our time of great need. In Hebrews chapter 10, another great verse here, verse 35, says this, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. The Word of God challenges us to put our faith, to put our trust in God and in God alone. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, one more verse here. says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that he or that we have what we have asked for from him. Confidence, confidence in God. Now the opposite of confidence is doubt or defeat, and for many believers, many people in our world, many people in our community, in our families, instead of living with this confidence that comes from the Lord, many people are living in the opposite, in defeat and with doubt. They live their lives, and you may know some, you may be one, they live their lives beat up, down and out, where the devil has a foothold, there's sin in their lives or depression overcomes, or there's great discouragement. I believe that we have been defeated too long as God's people with regards to our future, to our plans. Many go around defeated in regards to raising their kids. Some are even defeated in their mindset as as far as serving God in their salvation. In fact, just this week, I was with a group of young men on Friday morning, and one of the young men was concerned about his salvation. I was able to say, look, your salvation is secure. But how many of us live in fear, live without hope, defeated, full of doubt? Well, let me just say that defeat is not God's way. He wants us to live in confidence. And I know that to be true in my life. And I know that to be true about God's word. He has filled his word with over 7,000 promises for you and for me. We can read God's word and claim those things in our lives and we can live in confidence. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had incredible supernatural confidence. But you know what? When I look at their story, it wasn't a foolish or uh, you know, some kind of arrogance. They also understood the sovereignty of God. In verses 16 through 18, I want to look at those verses in Daniel again. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3 and look at the response that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. And think about the sovereignty of God, the idea that God is the one that is in control. It says that they went to the king and replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, they said, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Confidence. They, were, they said, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from the hand, O, o king. But then look at verse 18. It says, But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the images of gold that you have set up. They said even if God doesn't come through, even if it's not God's plan to save us, to, to protect us at this moment, our trust, our hope is in the Lord and we have nothing to fear. Talk about trusting God. I love what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 a verse that has been embedded in my heart since I was a young young boy. It says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. If you know the rest, it says in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. I love what it says in Psalm 118, verse 8, that it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in a man. We are to put our trust in God. We can trust God with our future, with our plans. We can trust God with our money. We can trust God with our kids, with our salvation. As a church body, we can trust God with the future, with the vision that he has for us. How many know that we can trust God as we share our faith in our community, with our neighbors and with our relatives, with our friends, in our witnessing We can stand up and be bold. We can be confident that God is going to help us. We can be confident that wherever we are, we can live with integrity. We can be confident in our business. We can be confident wherever we go. Now, this confidence is not a false hope. It's a confidence rooted in Christ, in God Almighty. It's the idea that we can do all things together or for, uh, through Christ who gives us strength. It's the idea that all things work together for the good of those who are loved and who are called according to his purpose. And the result of this confidence that I would love if I could, I'd bottle it up and inject into each and every one of us, the, the result is assurance. It's hope. It's great trust in god i want to look at one final verse as i as we wrap up this morning psalm chapter 46 why don't you turn there with me psalm chapter 46 starts off and it says this says god is our is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in trouble Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were familiar with those words from 600 years before? I believe they they were. I believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego may have repeated this exact psalm as they were facing the fiery furnace. He says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And they're saying, God, we're in trouble. But listen to verse 2. It says, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even though the furnace is blazing seven times hotter, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with a surging. Wow. There was no fear. God is their refuge. God is their strength. God is the one that they, they, they could put their hope and their help in. The idea here is that they are the head and not the tail. They are the ones that are above and not beneath. That they could do all things through Christ. Although Christ wasn't on the scene yet. All things through God. They were confident in who they were. And we can live our lives confident in who we are. We are God's chosen people. A royal priesthood. First Peter says, chapter 2, a holy nation, a peculiar people, yeah? Called by him. And Jesus is able to meet us right where we are. In our deepest trials, in our most troubling times, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves us. And he wants you to live in confidence. I'm going to ask Melissa to come back, and I want you just to consider here in these moments the way that you've been living your life. And there's a lot of different areas we could look at in regards to confidence. But I want us today, on a family Sunday, uh, well, our kids have slipped out, some of our kids, but that's okay. I want you to think about the way that you have trusted God in raising your kids. Jessica and I, we've been talking recently as Reagan, our daughter, who slipped out, she's 11, how she has been growing. And we're just looking at the culture around us. We talked a little bit about it last week as we talked about Daniel and or, uh, David and Goliath. And uh, there's a lot of pressure for kids to conform, lots of opportunities for kids to, uh, to turn away from their faith. And certainly the pattern of this world is not, you know, towards God. And we've said, man, how, how do you do it? And we've kind of said, I don't know. <laughs> and we trust, but the thing we got to do is we got to trust God. We put our confidence in Him stay humble like we talked about the last couple weeks. So I just want to challenge you that if you've lost some confidence in the way that maybe your kids are are living or you are fearful of the future don't be afraid. Trust God. Pray for your kids. Love your kids and uh, let that just be an, uh, an encouragement to you. Just felt like I needed to say that this morning the second thing in regards to our salvation. The young man I was with on Friday I know is not alone. He's a newer believer. I understand that. And we're we're working with him and discipling him. But I, I want you to know that if you're here this morning and you have given your heart to the Lord at one point, you can be confident. You can have great assurance that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. It is difficult to fall out of the grace of God. I'll just say that. And so you can live in confidence with your salvation. But then our lives are so complex, aren't they? Not only our family, not only our salvation, but work-related issues, school-related issues, sports, extracurricular activities. Our lives are complex, The way we relate in our our society with our neighbors, our going, our comings. Could we, as believers, live with great confidence that God is in control? You may have lost your job. You may have lost your house. You may have lost almost everything. But can you be confident? The fact that God is in control? You may be here this morning and struggling with an area of sin in your life where maybe the devil has a a grip, a hold. Could you be confident in God's amazing grace to forgive you, first of all, but then to be confident that you can live victorious, free from sin, believe God wants to inject us all with a supernatural great confidence in who He is. Whether you're a young person here or to the oldest among us, you may have lost confidence over the years. Maybe at one point you served the Lord with great tenacity and things have slipped and, and, uh, and fallen. But this morning, God wants to remind you that you can't do it without Him and he wants to remind you that he is in control. And so we can trust him. Like the psalmist said, God is my refuge, my strength. Though the earth give way, I will trust him. And God wants us to live in his trust. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. It's very possible that you showed up this morning And you've never given your heart to to the Lord. You've never received Jesus as your personal Savior. And I'll tell you, that's where it really starts. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to the Lord, don't leave here without receiving Jesus as your personal Savior. If that's you and you are here and you're saying, That's me, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to embarrass you, but I do. Want to know, is there anyone here that would say yes to Jesus this morning in that way? Just slip up your hand right where you are. Saying, yeah, that's me. I want to know for sure that if I were to die today, that I would live forever in heaven. Anyone at all? Just slip up your hand. Yeah. One young man. Anyone else? Anyone else? Saying, yep, that's me. Touch my heart. See? There are several guests here today that I don't know personally. And I just want to say, if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're here as a, as a relative or a friend or just coming in for, for the holiday, uh, don't leave this place without making sure that you know Jesus as your Savior. Now, if I could have your eyes for the rest of you, for everybody. I want us to leave today with an assurance, with a hope that God has not left us, that God has not forgotten us in our circumstances. I want us to leave today with great confidence in who God is. And if you believe in your heart that Jesus wants to help you, That Jesus wants to help you in whatever area of life. It could be in raising kids. It could be in your finances. It could be in business. It could be with a sickness or an illness. And you're saying, God, I believe that you have a plan for me. If that's the way you want to live your life, I want you to stand to your feet with confidence. And we're going to pray a closing prayer. And just ask God to inject us with this kind of confidence that we can be for sure, that we can know without a shadow of doubt that God is for us and not against us. So if that's you, I just want to invite you to stand. And we're going to have a closing prayer here. And let me just pray for those that are standing. Lord, I pray, God, that you would put your hand upon our lives. Lord, that in these moments, God, as we understand that we are to trust you no matter what, In our finances, when things are tight, Lord, we trust you. Lord, in our business, we trust you. In raising our kids, Lord, we trust you. In our our school, we trust you. In our homework and in our sports, Lord, we trust you. Our confidence is in you, Lord, I pray. And God, I just pray that you would surround us, each and every one of us, God, with your supernatural confidence. Lord, that we would understand that you are for us and not against us. Lord, that we are the head and not the tail. We are above, not beneath because of who you are in us. And God, I pray as we leave here today that you would go before us and behind us and keep us mindful of your grace and of your mercy in our lives. We thank you pray all these things in jesus name and all god's people said amen amen god is good if you need prayer for anything specific want to be anointed with oil the altars are open jessica and i will stay some of the elders will stay we want to encourage you if you are come saying i i want to be prayed for let's stand together otherwise go in the grace of god and enjoy your day. Get down to, the, to uh, Pomona Park or get down to the grandstand tonight for the other concert and uh, enjoy fellowship together. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. If you need prayer, we will stay as long as you need to pray. Amen.